As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Retro boots, the joy of half volleys, excessively wacky club Twitter accounts, anti-diving hysteria, the appropriate size for a footballer's wash bag, and doing a Kevin Nolan. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £3.49 a month. That's 30% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod to take advantage of this special discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 91 of the Football Clichés podcast. I'm Adam Hurry and with me is David Walker. Now, you were so close on the side of Berahino shout this week. You got so preoccupied with Neil Warnock's caring side that you didn't think about the massive arm-around-the-shoulder potential of big Darren Moore. The biggest arm available, mm. I think, in the in the entire division. Yeah, I forgot. I just, I didn't, I, to be honest, you know... Forgive me, Darren, but I forgot that he was the manager of Sheffield Wednesday. Otherwise, I would have made that connection. Obviously, they were worked together at West Brom, didn't they? So it does make sense. I, I, mean, I would say something like Sheffield Wednesday and Middlesbrough are completely interchangeable, but we've got in trouble with Middlesbrough before, and I'm not going to say that. So, uh, uh, But we were close enough, and that's the main thing. We're here for Mesut Harland Dix today. Uh, so far on Mesut Harland Dix, we've had comedians, we've had TV presenters, commentators, football writers, authors, rappers, and 90s game show hosts. But we've never had an actual footballer. With us this time is former Celtic, CSK Sofia, Apoel, Ammonia Nicosia, Jagiellonia Białystok, Wellington Phoenix, Irony Kiryat Shimona, Wisła Płock, Republic of Ireland, and now Dundee striker Killian Sheridan. 
How are you? Very good. I was, I was wondering to see how long that list was going to be. So. I decided not to include your loan clubs. I feel like that doesn't count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would have added an, at least another five or six onto it. So It's good for filler content. We should always get people on who've uh, worked in multiple places just to just to get the first five minutes sorted out. So am I entitled to call you much-travelled striker Killian Sheridan? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's, it's, it's pretty true in this case. So yeah, I can't, I can't really argue that one. Would you consider journeyman to be slightly insulting? Journeyman is insulting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> I've always wondered. Finally had the opportunity to ask a footballer if journeyman is insulting and it turns out, yes, it is. Okay, that's fair enough. Oh, I mean, we can continue down this road for as, as long as we need to. I mean, you're six foot five, Wikipedia tells me. That's accurate. I'll, I won't correct it, but okay. it's Wikipedia. So, that's, so you're comfortably rangy. Beanpole. Beanpole gets... Oh, yes. Gets branded about a lot. That's exactly what I was about to yeah. ask. You don't mind? You don't mind beanpole then? Beanpole's fine. I mean, yeah, it's it's not very flattering, is it? Beanpole. The worst. The worst is be, beanpole journeyman altogether, and it's just beanpole journeyman as a combination. Is I've never heard that before. Yeah. But yes, now you think about it, it's not actually very flattering at all. So it's time for Mesut Harland Dicks with Killian Sheridan. The format is as it always is. He's going to pick three things he loves about football and three things he hates. I really liked your choices anyway, but the fact that they're going to come from the perspective of an actual professional footballer really adds some extra spice to this. So tell us about your first love of football. Retro football boots, yeah. And then I was thinking about it today again. It's probably specifically the year 1998 to about 2000s. Four two thousand and five, I'd say that's Predator Nike Nike Total ninety era, and it was when I just started getting into football, like at that age, yeah, and just football boots. Like I could tell players. You said a player's name at that time. I could say what boots he was wearing. I, it, obviously, there's a danger when 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 you look back to the nineties or to the era when you were a child growing up. Obviously, nostalgia mm. infects your brain, and you think everything was better. You know, your thing, your bit was the best bit, yeah. right? But correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think today that there are the same sort of relationship between boots and players. Like, you, there's no Beckham-style predator with the red tongue. There's no, is it R90, that you know, the mm. silver and blue Nike boot. Like, I just, it seems to be, there's obviously loads of different colours and styles and stuff, but it's kind of interchangeable yeah. these days Compared yeah, to I don't want to say any particular boot is synonymous with a particular player. What do you wear at the moment? No. Is it something completely newfangled? Yeah. <laughs> is that disappointing? Do, would you rather be wearing massive Predator accelerators? I bought some on eBay about two years ago for about 200 quid. I have a good few pairs of the Remix. So see like yeah. how Adidas brought out yeah. basically just a new model of the older That's boot. Yeah, yeah. That's just cheap. It's a pretty easy job from the <laughs> design perspective. But... Uh, yeah, I got a few of those, the remake ones, but now I'm wearing Mizuno. Oh, nice. Fallen, that is the connoisseur's choice, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I've fallen in love with Mizuno. It's a little little plug for your boot supply there. Fantastic. Well, yeah, um, they, supply, <laughs> they supply them to me in exchange for money, but... It's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how retro... I mean, would you consider wearing these remakes in a, in a, in a game then? No. I mean, in a, are, are they just too cumbersome? I'm not at this. I don't think I'm confident enough to wear them in a game. I wear them in right. training sometimes and because they kind of they get a lot of attention from everyone so you're putting pressure mm. on yourself that's the thing every time if you've like shiny new boots in training there's a lot of pressure on you to any any sort of bad touch or anything it's 
It's the boots. It's a bit difficult for um for a beanpole journeyman to turn up in a pair of R nineties. You're you're asking for trouble, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, that, that's what's <laughs> yeah, got I'm me to, to think the... Of the most inappropriate pair of boots that you could wear. Um, <laughs> so many possible options. Yeah, no, now it's like the blacker the boot, the more you stand out. Whereas before, it's like it's totally flipped. Before it was mm. colourful boots where you stood out. Where now it's like you wear all black boots, you're making a statement. I wonder though. I mean, I mean. Given that a lot of culture is kind of sort of throwback anyway, um, I wonder because I I looked at Dave. I've looked at the kind of regulations when it comes to football boots. It, it's pretty vague. There's there's not a lot of guidance about what you can't wear. So I mean, I wonder how old you could go with boots. Could like could you wear some massive boots from the 1950s? And as long as they didn't have sharp studs, you'd probably be all right. I mean, the linesman checking them before the game would <laughs> presumably be slightly <laughs> taken aback. They're like brown, yeah, massive you know, the brown, brown boots. boots. Things that I think you could, you know, a cobbler probably made. Exactly. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, someone, you know, try it. Mm. Killian, we asked our listeners for some long lost features of football boots. That, you know, things that they just don't, you don't seem to get anymore on, on, the, uh, on the modern models. Ruben Pinder says the pullover tongue. This was quite a popular choice. I mean, I was never quite sure what function it served. Yet it was really comfortable at the same time. With the elastic strap. Yeah, especially with the yeah. elastic straps. Oh, it's incredibly satisfying to hook it on the studs on the bottom. Yeah, the Predators. That was, yeah. they're, they're the most famous ones. Yeah, I remember when I was younger trying to like put them as far down as I could, like how Beckham mm. would do it. Yes. Like yeah. leaving, your, I always struggled leaving with that. your whole foot totally exposed to like <laughs> any, any sort of kick or anything. It's just going direct shot to your yeah. foot. Yeah there's, definitely, yeah, there's definitely a link between tongue depth and metatarsal injury, Dave. Yeah, well, I, I had a pair of... Puma King AstroTurf boots that I would used to wear to school, like just in just in the day. Oh, you were allowed, we were allowed to wear trainers in, to in like, school in like primary school. Lawless, and they and they didn't they didn't really care. Yeah, and they and I, mean, I don't know whether we got off on a technicality because they were black technically mm. or something mm. maybe. But I I, used to, I remember getting really anxious and annoyed by the fact that my Puma Kings I couldn't get the tongues to flap down naturally, and all the other kids could. I just didn't know how they did it. It was and they, mine were just up all the time. Close pegs, close pegs at night. I'm, ah, there you go. I'm, see, this is the insider knowledge we were hoping for. Have, this is exactly <laughs> what we were hoping for. Um, no, I, I, I put it to you, Dave, that there is there's there's no worse sensation for a human being than a than a tongue of a football week flapping back up in the yeah. opposite direction. Just, Horrible. Just the worst. I mean, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, hell. Dean Hardman which sounds like the name of a cartoon Sunday League centre-back, says laces that were so long that they were required to be looped underneath the boot and tied on top, and then getting absolutely caked in mud. Why were old football boots, Killian, why were the laces so fucking long? What's going on? Yeah, that, yeah, that was another one. I, I think Puma, Puma Kings were... I remember they, they had the big laces because everyone that had Puma Kings, you'd always see the lace going underneath where they've had to, had to wrap it around underneath. Yeah, when um, you were like 11, you had to wrap it around about 15 times and then it would cut off the circulation to your foot. I, think I remember seeing the... people wrap it behind, like around, like coming up over their Achilles. That's a very sophisticated and, system of... <laughs> well, imagine if they come undone. Dangerous. Sorry, lads, I just need 20 minutes. That's it. Yeah. A sharp rise in Achilles injuries. Things get slightly weirder here. Creepy Pasta Goblin, which I hope is some sort of anagram for something, says any change in the shape of studs precludes having that lovely, satisfying lump of mud that has a dozen or so perfect holes in it. Good God, it's one of the most satisfying sights in life. Dave, we have a weird one on our hands. But I kind of see what <laughs> yeah. it means. Likes that a little bit too much. Yeah. Yeah, well, just, just the, the mud like coming off in one 
Oh, oh is that what he lump. means? Oh, 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 it's all like a stencil effect. Maybe, I thought yeah. he meant just like the footprint on a, on a Sunday league muddy pitch. Oh, looking I down see what you mean. I, I think he means that when you look down at your boot and, you've, and it's basically, you're so muddy that your studs are bare, you're basically wearing slippers at that point and you're just completely caked in mud. I'm sure you do Sometimes if you, you kick it, you can kick it off and still maintains the shape. Yeah, I suppose so. I'm sure you don't have this sensation on the lovely carpet that is Dens Park, Killing. No, not yet anyway. Not in, the, not in this nice weather yet. So I'll, I'll wait and see how the Scottish winter affects it. Yeah, I'm sure you're looking forward to that. Um, okay, so that's, that's about as weird as we can get with Football Boot Chat. Tell us about your second love of football. I quite like this one. Yeah, it was the hate towards commentators, especially. <laughs> you love the hate commentators. that commentators get. I get involved in it. <laughs> and I do, I, do think, I do think it's one of... It has to be one of the hardest jobs in football mm. mm-hmm. media, yeah. Because I don't, I don't think that people can do it so bad. Talented people can't be that bad at it all the time, and there's so many, there's so many of them. So it's the hardest job in football media, but yet you have pretty much zero sympathy for them. This is fantastic. Yeah, well, I was, I was trying to kind of give them a little bit of leeway there by saying how hard it is. But um, yeah. like any, when I'm watching games or something and I'm watching the replay and the commentator, they're still saying, oh, I don't think he's touched him there or I don't know if it's hit his hand. And you'll see the replay clearly hitting his hand and they're just, they're still like doubling down on their original take of it. Yeah. And then I'll think to myself, I wonder if everyone else thinks the same. And I search their name on Twitter and then it's just a barrage of abuse aimed at them. Well, they're such, they're such easy targets. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm unsure how much hatred there truly is because they're such easy targets. Dave, I think it almost fools people into thinking they have an opinion on, say, Simon Brotherton or Joe Spate or whoever. And mm. um, a lot of the time, they're kind of sort of inoffensive characters. I think these days, they actually seem to be quite inoffensive. They seem to be quite inconspicuous. I'm not going to say forgettable, but it's hard to tell one from the other sometimes. Yeah, well, there was the... What was the game? West Ham against Leicester last week, the first Monday Night Football. And there was like a new commentator yeah. on Sky. Yeah, he was really good. I can't, I can't for the life of me remember his Seb name Hutchinson. off the top of my head. Seb Hutchinson, yeah, that's it. And a lot of people just and couldn't handle that it was a new voice, right? Yeah, it was, just like, it was strange to see people's default reaction was like, who's this guy? <laughs> he's shit. Get rid of him. It's so bad. It's, like, it's, it's fine. He's doing that. a decent job. Oh, God, yeah, but we're just, so we're just so used to our favourites. Yeah. I think people have sort of... They kind of calcify around their favourites and their and the people that they don't like for whatever reason. And it just becomes like it's, people get weirdly touchy about people, you know, commentating on, on their football. I've just got this image of Bill Leslie Ultras protesting <laughs> about the new commentator on Sky. One Bill Leslie. <laughs> There's only one Bill Leslie. Okay, okay, so yeah, okay, so fundamentally, Killian, this is this is clearly very mean of you. I mean, well, I mean, what's your fundamental beef with commentary or co-commentators in particular? Because you mean, you know, ex-players, you'd expect more from them from an insight perspective. Have you ever tried it? No, I've never tried it. And I'm, I'm afraid to try it now because I see how much hate is aimed towards them. Because you're all you, you have to... Yeah, people like you. you're commentating, you have to... <laughs> there can't be any like moments where no one's speaking. So you're always having to, even if there's nothing going on in the game, they still have to fill that with something and a lot of the time it's nonsense um, yeah <laughs> if i was to do it i would love to do it like terry wogan on eurovision and just like really <laughs> like downplay the whole thing and and kind of really be critical of of like a bad pass or whatever or, or the game as uh, itself i'm trying to imagine terry wogan as a football commentator it sort of works 
29 years since the Netherlands have won this contest. Make that 30. What about punditry? I mean, the only thing I can ask, the only question I can think to ask here is if you appeared at a, as a pundit on TV, what would the what would the little bit of information say under your name when you were introduced at the start? <laughs> probably, they'd probably go with Republic of Ireland International, former. And Solid. It, it would be that just to make them look good. You'd need a ticker like Sky Sports News. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd, I'd expect so more to... than the the Richard Sadlier one. Once scored in the third place Sco- playoff Sco- of the <laughs> UEFA European Under Twenty One Championship, I think it is. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. Which is, you know, fundamentally the greatest strap line ever attributed to a pundit. But to be honest, they all look a bit rubbish compared to Graham Souness, who at least twice a week has the words 123 major trophies in his playing career underneath his name on TV. And that's the only reason I can think of he still sticks around is because he gets to have his ego massaged by that every single week, which is, um, oh, it must be a nice feeling. That's all I can say. Do you ever wonder what commentators are saying about you as you're playing? Yeah. Does when the, run through your head? Yeah, when the, when the mics are off, I can't see it being too good, especially now that I've kind of put them all on. But they're going to be like, this guy, this guy thinks this is easy. He hates us. Yeah, so yeah, I think I've put a target on my back now. A hundred percent. I, I'm going to tune in to the next Dundee game and see what the commentator suddenly says about you. Because whoever it is, is definitely listening. So uh, let's find out. Okay, on to, on to your third love of football. Um, this is this is dreamland for the Football Clichés podcast. We're going to have an actual footballer talking about technique now. Yeah, half volleys. Speci- only half volleys, not full volleys. Not, right. not just a half volley on like a... Little bit of water on the pitch, and just best thing in football you can see. Have you have you scored many half volleys like that uh, in actual football? In a game, no. <laughs> 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 um, no. If I had, if I had, that would be underneath my name for the for the. Once scored a half volley a pundit, in a professional yeah. game of football. Yeah. Um, no, from, but from the perspective of a man who is literally paid to propel a football every day. Is there more satisfying way of doing it than a half volley? I mean, it, it it just feels very nice, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah. The feeling of it, like when you, it's like a like a good golf shot. Like when you have mm. that feeling of just a pure strike. That's it. Where it's just a little bit like from out to in, and it can be like a ten yard pass. It could be a forty yard pass. Everyone watching is always like, "Oh, what a pass that was!" Like yeah, everyone it, appreciates it makes it. the pass look way better than than what maybe it was as well that's an interesting thing actually because i think for for, for me and adam you know the the half volley would very much be the preserve of having a having a audacious pop at goal mm. from around the penalty <laughs> yeah. box the thought of the thought of half volleying a 40 yard pass didn't even go into amateur, my head it, didn't yeah. even go into my head um <laughs> That's the sort of level we're operating at here. But um, but um, we can't talk about half volleys without clarifying um, your definition of a half volley because I'm I'm slightly concerned, on with no basis whatsoever, that you might be part of the oddly sizable half volley misunderstander community. We're talking about ball that has just bounced and then being struck, right? Yeah. So that, for me, a half volley it can't go above say knee height. It has oh, to be. Talk- it's a low half volley. Ooh. It's not like a goalkeeper half volleying it up the picture I've never heard of a height threshold for half volleys Dave I've heard about the kind of sort of I mean people sort of it's allowed to bounce once but and then after that it doesn't matter what happens it's a half volley complete rubbish obviously yeah, um, yeah. I mean exactly. some people employ kind of like a time restraint to it which I think is you know a kind of gadunk kind of um, mm. definition yeah um, yeah. but we're going for knee height apparently yeah knee, knee height yeah or mm. I'll, I'll extend it to hip hip height 
Okay. Um, oh no, no, I'm not sure about <laughs> get that. Carried away, no, I think, yeah, I think I think knee's fine. Hip is is too high. Yeah, I think you I think that's right, Adam. You've... The good dunk is is it's it's that feeling of bounce hit, mm. bounce hit. Yes, yeah, half beat. I always think of I always think of Tom Huddleston against Manchester City mm. for Spurs. Mm. That sort of thing. It's come to him. He sized it up. Bang bang, and it's just flown like a rocket. I, and do you know what the extra thing about it? I mean, we've already established, Killian, how satisfying a half volley is. And there's an element of kind of incredible fortune about it. I mean, when a ball's just bouncing towards you, the idea that anybody can adjust their gait and arrive at the ball at the right time to half volley is a complete mystery to me. And yet it still happens quite a lot. But also, I mean, pound for pound, it's probably not the hardest thing in the world to do because you can't really miss hit a half volley. If you connect, it's going pretty much exactly where you want it to. Well, no, because you see, a lot of the time a half... A proper half volley is hit the outside of your boot. So if you if to keep it at that knee height threshold, you have to really strike through it. And any bit a little bit too left, a little bit too right. If you go too much one side, it's just gonna banana completely off. And the other one, you go too hard and it's it'll just spin back. So I think it's the the degree of difficulty brings it up to why it's so satisfying when you when you do pull it off. Do you practice it in training? What it is, it's a, it's a half time between two subs. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. That's when it's at peak, peak half volume. I, it, I love watching that. I love watching it like, all like in the warm up or at half time. Because yeah, it always amazes me. Just even the subs who might, for, for, you know, sometimes may not be the best players or whatever. There might be a couple of fullbacks or a couple of defenders on the bench. And they're, and they're just, they, they always look amazing. The technique, the way they kick the ball, I'm just fascinated by how good they it's are. It's the only mesmerising bit of a warm-up for me. The rest of it can... Mm. Yeah, I'm not interested. In fact, in fact, I would go as far to say, Killian, is... Um, I mean, I'm not doubting your professionalism for a second, but let's be honest, that's the only enjoyable bit of a warm-up, isn't it? Skidding a pass between someone who's standing 35 yards away. Well, the only reason you're doing... It's only when you're not... There's not a, a trainer taking you on the warm-up. If the players are just left to their own, that would be the warm-up. Just <laughs> volume to each other, like exactly. 40, 50 yards apart. Exactly, exactly. Right, well, this that was an entertaining start to Mezzahala Dicks. We've enjoyed those loves. Half volleys, we're always going to meet a receptive audience. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. 
Welcome back to Mesut Harland Dicks. Our guest Killian Sheridan has already told us what he loves about football. That's retro boots, cheap shots at football commentators and the joy of half volleys. But now it's at the business end. The things he finds truly irritating about the beautiful game. The first hate is club social media accounts just trying to be a little bit too much a little bit too <laughs> too wacky yeah a little bit too I, I noticed a lot of them now are trying trying to be too cheeky to towards mm. other clubs and yeah if they feel like one club Tottenham now or Arsenal are getting seem to be getting it from a lot of different teams or mm. from everyone now it's like the popular thing to do so when you see other clubs doing it I just think it's a bit we can't, you can't put the genie back in the bottle with this, though. I feel like you're never going to get football clubs going back to being sort of sober outlets, are we, Dave? It, it, it is, yeah. I mean, it is, it is quite staggering sometimes when you think that we're so far down the road now of, of social media and, and um, content creation mm. that, the, the, you know, like the level of stuff that you get really far down the, down the sort of pyramid and, you know, down to sort of League One, League Two sometimes, mm. like really elaborate unveiling videos and stuff really good production and i'm just a bit like blimey like this is this is it is quite mad really how much of a much of an accepted part of the football landscape Mm. the unveiling video has has become to the point where like genuinely i do wonder whether it holds up like were there some clubs yesterday thinking oh you know what can we can we just get it edited we've got we've got an hour left here we need to i need to announce this transfer and like you know it's <laughs> the transfer falling through because someone's photoshop crashed at 10 to, 10 to midnight now yes it's <laughs> sensational um killian have you ever been unveiled at any of your uh, 58 clubs in a particularly wacky way uh, no i generally have done my own on my Twitter or, or <laughs> right. Instagram or something. <laughs> uh, now nah, I've just had like run of the mill new signing or whatever. But my last holding club, up a shirt. Yeah, Would yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Holding that it you up. draw the line. That's where you draw the line, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's your point, isn't yeah. it? Holding up one shirt. Um, okay, that's fair enough. My last club in Poland, Wisłoklotsk. There's a good chance you would have seen it. Players signed a new contract, and they done it in a Grand Theft Auto style. Oh right. Oh, this was fairly recently. Wasn't yeah. It? It was, Four months ago, maybe three or four months yeah, ago, yeah. and uh, it was brilliant. It was such a good video. And then before that, they'd done another one, like kind of a James Bond theme. And after I saw that those two being done and like getting such good reception, I was like, they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves now. Every time a player is going to sign a new contract or a new player comes, they need to come up with some big video. Yeah. So Vizsla Plosk, are they, is that top, that's top league yeah, right in Poland? Yeah. Give me some context on how how they are. Are they a sort of top four club? Are they relegation candidates? Uh, they mid-table? They'd be like mid, mid to low table, mid to lower table, yeah. Right, okay. So this is like Burnley basically doing a Grand Theft Auto <laughs> yeah, yeah. style reveal for Maxwell Corne or whatever he's mm. called. You just can't see it happening, can you? No. I mean, it's, it, this, is, this, is, this is quite mad, this video. But fair yeah. play to them. And the yeah. guy, the guy who it was for... Like the main guy in it, he does the like that Grand Theft Auto oh, the motions like so yeah. good. It was brilliant. <laughs> but I was just when I saw it, I was like, I don't know how they're gonna top that. Cause, and mm. if you're a player there, then they don't do the big production for you. Are you gonna be insulted? Like, well, why didn't I get a yeah. why didn't I get a movie? There's only a contract extension as well. <laughs> yeah. If anything, it's too much. It's too much. It's not even a new signing. Um, we asked our listeners for their least favourite types of official club tweets dave this was my favorite from hot cross nuns he says wholly unspectacular on this days 
should go right in the bin. Who cares if Steve Sidwell managed to poke the ball into the net against Hull 15 years ago? Why does it matter now? Some sympathy here because you kind of, you know, you've got to fill this space somehow. And if something happened yeah. on this day, well, then you can't ignore it. Well, then there's always going to be something, isn't mm. there? Like, but I think I'm always quite underwhelmed by like, I like that. I mean, the sentiment's nice, but like happy birthday to like a player that played three times <laughs> like 20 years ago or something. It's a bit like... Killian, would you be put out if, you're, uh, if one of your clubs didn't wish you happy birthday on Twitter? No, no. No, oh, no, that's good. Not at all. Low maintenance. Not at all. Some of my friends oh, don't good. even know, don't wish it. So, um, <laughs> I just thought you, were, I just thought you were easily wound up. That's why you kept moving clubs. You're just such a massive <laughs> troublemaker because people wouldn't wish you happy birthday on Twitter. Or uh, alternatively, then, have you ever appeared uh, in a in a picture in one of your club's Twitter accounts training with the f- caption "All smiles" underneath? Yeah, mo- yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's reassuring. Yeah. That's the hundred percent record complete. Like walk into the training ground with a just a bloke with a cam putting a camera in your face. You know, it's like whatever it is, nine in the morning, whatever, and you've got your wash bag under your oh, arm. Yeah, you've just got to say something. What brand is your wash bag? Uh, it is Mulberry. I've had it for nice. about ten years. Not an Yves Saint Laurent man. Now, what am I thinking of? Have I got the have Louis, I got brand Louis Vuitton? Right? Sorry, let me start again. Not a Louis Vuitton man then. No. Not Lewis, not oh, Lewis Oh, for God's Vuitton. sake. <laughs> Lewis Vuitton. No, not Lewis Vuitton. Mine is field. And guys, guys always take the piss out of me for it. They're like, oh, is that your girlfriend's or whatever? Just because it's, it? it's a big wash bag. Like, it's not... How big are we talking? Yeah. Bigger than your average, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to a bald man. I literally don't own a wash bag. I mean, I think it's in proportion to... To my height and everything, so... Oh, yeah, yeah. but you're more yeah. body. Yeah. So yeah, more body, yeah. extra wash bag, yeah. more to yeah. wash. You, can't do, you actually can't argue with that logic, can we, Death? No. <laughs> this, again, this is the insight that we wouldn't have had, so uh, there you go. That's one um, of the things, when the when you see the photographer, it's trying to... You acknowledge they're there, but you have to also think it just has to be like a kind of natural-looking photo as well, where you, where you <laughs> yeah. don't see them. <laughs> <laughs> Just, there's a club photographer yeah. just waiting for your every move at the training ground in a tunnel. Walking just go on, away. Walking onto the bus for an away yeah. game. Oh, that's, God. That's the one. When you're at a wedding, yeah. and I, I say this because I'm in the midst of, of having been to one for the last four weekends in a row, and the photographer is just buzzing around, taking snaps of like the post ceremony bit where you're all having a nice glass yeah, of you're just standing champagne there in the field. You, there's that moment where you just sort of like, I can't, you sort of have to pose, but you can't acknowledge that they're there. You sort of try and subtly do like a pose that you think will look good in the photo, but still looking completely at the person you're talking to, even though there's a person with a massive camera yeah. about a foot away from you. I think the, tr- the trick is to look sort of half interested and half amused. They haven't said something amazing, but they've said mm. something really engaging. Yeah, like, you don't fake laugh. No, no, definitely don't but... fake laugh, because that will, that will, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's essentially analogous to the situation when a football getting off a bus. You want to look you want to look switched on, right, Killian? You have to look you focused. Look like... You have to look yeah. focused, yeah. Into the stadium for the game, it's focused. Right. If it's going on the bus or going onto the bus to travel the day before an away game or something, then it's it's relaxed. relaxed. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Looking relaxed. Where, no other where way do you stand do. on, um, would you high-five fans or anything? 
Or like, do you shake the hands of the security man at the door? Would you hug the mascot? It depends what the person in front of me does. If, <laughs> <laughs> if the person in front of me shakes their hand, then I have to shake their hand. <laughs> God, you've got to show some leadership. You've got to show some leadership. You've got to show everyone what to do. But absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Like the idea of like the cap- captain on the bus. Right, come on, boys. Right, remember, handshake everyone at the door. <laughs> yeah, perfect. I mean, yeah. We'll see. All right, tell us about your second hatred of football. This is this was the other way around than I expected, but I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Yeah, the hatred towards diving. What I mean is how it's separated. It's like its own part of cheating. Yeah. As opposed to like mm. players claiming for a throw-in that clearly isn't their throw-in. Mm-hmm. And I'm in my head, I, I always think, well, what's the difference in that and trying to get a penalty? that maybe you weren't fouled. I mean, so what, but what's your direct attitude towards diving? And would you do it? I mean, or is, or is, is the word diving quite a misleading way of putting it? Yeah, maybe it's a going, going down easy yeah. is more like, it, not, right? not a, obviously a clear dive, like, okay, it's, yeah, it's bad. But when there's contact and you can go down for a chance to win, then yeah, do it. Now you see a co-commentator would look at you and say, he's six foot five, you shouldn't be going down like that. But if anything, if anything, it's, Makes you easier to push over. And, it, so tall. Yeah. and it always gets Absolutely. ramped up in European games. Going the, the art of going down easy or whatever, if, if indeed it is an art, is something you just sort of you just sort of kind of start doing it. Do you have to like think about it consciously or just sort of to come naturally in that in that moment? Or were you doing it when you were like three? As soon as you, as soon as you as soon as you saw another human being, that was it. You went over. I I remember lo- there's been loads of times where after it's happened, and I think. Oh, I should have went down there. Where like right. my kind of natural reaction is to keep going and try and maybe get a shot or something. And it's funny in saying that one of I've had two red cards. One of them was it's it has to be one of the worst red cards ever. It was for the first yellow card I got for kicking the ball into an empty stand. <laughs> and then the second the second yellow was in the last minute for a dive or the referee deemed it as a dive where was this 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 sounds like um easily wound up european referee to me no this was in scotland this was <laughs> in scotland years ago for maybe st johnson when i was on loan that is the cheapest red card i've ever heard yeah and i think since then that's why i haven't went down easy when i should have you were you mentioned that it gets a little bit more focus in European football. Uh, listener Sam, this was this very interesting from him. He says, for an English footballer, I said that diving is completely unacceptable in the Premier League. It, uh, in, in, in terms of how it's received, it's, it's like, incredibly frowned upon for an English player to be diving in the Premier League. It's like something we've, we've learned from these foreigners over these years. And then he says, it's slightly frowned upon to dive in the Champions League, but we'll ignore it because it just looks like we're trying to fit in. But it's completely fine to dive at a World Cup. There's a brilliant when in Rome kind of attitude towards diving. <laughs> I think he's got it spot on. Yeah. It's almost like the more international it becomes, the more we feel like we have to do it. Otherwise, we won't be able to get on. Yeah, that's... It, he's explained it much better than, than I was trying to do it there. Do you know what I think it is? Maybe part of it is that when Harry Kane or, or well, so it was it was Sterling, wasn't it, actually? For, Sterling went down easily against Denmark in the Euro semi-final. Mm. When he does that, essentially, in that moment, it's like everyone in the country supports Manchester City. <laughs> but when he does it for Manchester City against whoever a weekend, the City fans 
the City fans keep quiet, basically, mm. don't they? Mm. And they just take it. And everyone else goes, ah, oh, Sterling is going down too easily. It's a disgrace. And then so-and-so has a, looks at it on match of the day and there's competing things and there's, there's has to be, there's, there needs to be more balance and stuff on a regular broadcast than there does when it's England. Ian Wright can sit in the studio and go, oh, it doesn't matter. We'll take it. Brilliant. And like, that's kind of part of it, isn't it? We're all happy for it in the, in the World Cup because it gets us to where we want to go. Whereas there's much more dissent in the, on the Saturday afternoon. Well, this kind of selectiveness about when and when when we get angry about diving and when we don't get angry kind of undermines the whole moral panic anyway. Because if we're getting a little bit choosy about it, maybe we don't really care. I mean, Killian, I'm I'm starting to think that I mean, there used to be the kind of a brief annual outrage about diving every single season. It used to become a big thing. What are we going to do about this? And I swear it hasn't happened for quite a while now. I, I do sense a kind of general attitude towards it saying, oh, I can't be bothered to get annoyed about this anymore. I think it's accepted now, isn't it? We've gotten used to it. But the, the other one is, see, like, the difference in if a defender is trying to shield the ball out in the corner and a striker mm. comes and, like, just touches his hands on his back and he goes over... Yeah. And everyone says, oh, yeah. that's, he's used all his experience there. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. if you flip that in the penalty area where the attacker goes it's down so through the defender, the defenders, that's the one thing I hate, when the defenders Absolutely straight away right. turn over, standing over him, shouting, get up, you fucking it's Yeah, it's so right. Like, you see that all the, all the time. Like, there was, I was at a Watford game last week, uh, Danny Rose was playing left back in front of where I was sitting. And he did this thing, right? he, he looked up, and he didn't, he couldn't find a pass. There was no there was no one close enough or free enough to pass to. So he clearly just thought, well, I know what I've got to do here. I'm just going to dribble it a little bit. I'm just going to stop, and then I'm going to get fouled. Like it's and and I and I was, it was like that was a really good th- like actually very intelligent like well done mm. like and I, I sort of I'm on I'm kind of on board yeah. with the whole range of it because. The sort of thing is like you feel like you're cheated, but the, the problem with it is that you know that no matter who you support pretty much up and down the leagues, you'll have at least one person, if not the whole team, on your team that could be capable of doing it yeah. themselves. Yeah. So we're all at it. Fine. Yeah. Let's get on with it. And, I think- and the best person at that act will get the spoils. Well, I mean, yeah, fullbacks seem to have just carte blanche to do it whenever they want because they've got run out of options, like you say. But basically, the, the, the logic seems to be the duller the dive the less offensive it is, which is why Harry Kane seems to get away with it because he, his diving is just really dull. It's not for penalties. It's just for winning free kicks in um, or, you know, claiming possession high up the pitch. It's um, it's just, it's, I cannot bring myself to get annoyed about it and nor can anyone else anymore. So yeah, that's it. We've solved diving. Killian, that's it. It's fine. Dive away. Use all your experience. Whatever you want. Yeah, hope, hopefully you'll see me win a few penalties. Then. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on you. Tell us about your third hatred of football. This feels particularly cruel. Yeah, maybe hate is, but it might be a bit strong for it. <laughs> no, it's fine. But <laughs> the buzz around the fixture, the fixture list being released. That's horrible. Just, Loads just, of people love it. Like Sky Sports <laughs> News, breaking news, yeah. fixture lists. Oh, um, It's a big deal. Is it not a big deal for footballers? Do they not care? I don't, no. You're playing all the teams anyway. What's the... I can't... <laughs> oh, don't be that guy. To be fair, I can get it. I can get it from a fan's point of view where like, okay, that weekend, let's go away. They're playing that team or whatever. You want to plan things. But now, other than that, I don't really... I just don't get the, the buzz about it. Don't you get annoyed if you've got like a really long away trip on Boxing Day? I haven't had it in so long. See, ab- abroad, I, I always have um, that time off. Mm. Right, yeah. Oh, was that was that cheap red card you got for kicking the ball into the stands and diving? Did it just happen to be on sort of mid-December or I, something? Yeah, I channeled my 
Kevin Nolan, wasn't that? Yeah, Kevin Nolan, very yeah. much known as the Kevin Nolan yeah, syndrome. Challenge yeah, challenged by my uh, inner Kevin Nolan there. <laughs> Don't um, we all? No, one time, I remember actually in Cyprus once I got, I had so many yellow cards and I missed the game. And uh, that, sorry, that would have been one of my hatreds. But one of the, the game was maybe like New Year's Day or something. And I just remember I, w- I missed that game. I was suspended for that game. And I remember just kind of out of guilt that I just couldn't ask like if I could stay at home any longer or anything. I was like, no, nah, it looked too obvious. <laughs> so fair play to Kevin Nolan for just doing that every yeah, you, single year. Like <laughs> You just haven't got the brass balls to do a Kevin full Kevin Nolan. And fair play to you. Good morals. Yeah, that, make, that makes up for my diving. <laughs> <laughs> we know when you're... Um, so when you've played in, in Cyprus or in Poland or any of the other con- countries you've played in, how much... Um, so sort of in relation to say the fixtures coming out, right? You've got all the you've got all the, the teams in front of you. How much research have you done on like who the other teams are? Because I, I, I feel like if I was in your shoes, it'd be like me. Like, I still don't really re- know who I'm playing in Sunday League, even though I've played them continuously for years. I still can't really understand. I can't get my head around which team is which. Mm. I forget so easily. Did you know like, oh, that's a tough trip to, you know, the, the fourth team in Krakow or something, or whatever they're called. Nah, yeah, you know, you know. Um, when I was younger, there was times where the first time when I went over to Bulgaria and I was kind of like, I was stupid about it all and a bit ignorant towards stuff. And I'd be like, remember people might say like, who are you playing this weekend? I'd be like, don't know. Or next weekend, I, just, I, I don't know. Or I couldn't, I couldn't say the team's name or something like that. I just didn't have interest. Yeah. Um, that lot in green again. Yeah. <laughs> but then also now there's a lot more, you're doing a lot more video and a lot more analysis of stuff where right. it's kind of, I mean, you'd have to be going into meetings and shutting your eyes not to know who, <laughs> who you're playing. But I'm sure there's players out there that, that don't know. Okay, then in that case, who have Dundee got next? Livingston. Oh, thank God. Thank God. I thought he'd lost interest in the fixture <laughs> list, David. It turns out he loves it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the one fixture that, been, that leapt out straight away, of course. <laughs> September the 11th against Livingston. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be a huge one. Okay, satisfy another fixture-related curiosity of mine. Generally speaking, what's the most annoying time to play a football, football game? I'm, I'm guessing Saturday lunchtime. Just feels like it's, it's like the least football-y time to play. Uh... You know, with a kind of low sun in your eyes. You're not in the mood on a Saturday lunchtime. I don't really mind it because it's it's as it's closer to your training every day. Okay. It's like you're in you're getting up you're getting up in your training at whatever half ten, eleven o'clock every morning. So your your routine isn't changed that much to an early kickoff. Whereas I don't know, I almost like three o'clock kickoff I don't like mm. the most because it's middle of the day, it's just an awkward time. Hey, why is it three? Because no one has ever explained this to me. Because you, you're waking up, you've, you have to have your breakfast, but then you also mm. have to have a pre-match, say like half 11, 12 o'clock. And then there's that awkward time in between that and three o'clock. Whereas an evening time game, you've got the full day. You can go for a sleep during the day or whatever you need to do. And I, just, I don't know, I think I just prefer the... I just want to get over and done with. Probably the, You'll be thinking about it all day in an evening game. You know, like if you do a late shift at work, you're always like, everything you do that day is clouded by the fact <laughs> exactly you've got to go same. to work later. <laughs> exactly the same. <laughs> oh, I can't really do this. I've got to go to work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a very good point. I think the three o'clock thing must be like, a, I'm sure it's like a factory thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Like the factory workers got off at midday and it, they gave them a few, or they got off at two o'clock or whatever on a Saturday and they were, and then the football was at three because of that, like in the 1890s. That's a, yeah, that sounds yeah. sensible enough to be exactly what the reason is. Yeah, but we just need to completely revamp this. In, All games should start at like one or something. That should be fine. In Cyprus, yeah. in Cyprus, I remember we played, it was in the Europa League. Yeah. And Europa League is, it's always been eight o'clock wasn't it and because of the time difference we played in cyprus at 10 o'clock at night wow that was so like you're That's really yeah great. so you're finishing like quarter to 12 10 to 12 you're going into the into the dressing that doesn't room. sound fun nah you're not sleeping much are no, you no 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 i knew guy, i knew guys dragging your massive wash bag out at <laughs> one in the morning that sounds terrible <laughs> I knew guys that any evening time game come in the next, say if you're in for a recovery the next day, mm. they'd come in without having slept all night, just from yeah, couldn't couldn't sleep at all after any sort of night game. Is this what you could be like after this podcast? <laughs> yeah, full, full of adrenaline. <laughs> Good, glad to hear it. Well, I mean, you've got so much off. We your did chest. start. We started at three o'clock as well. <laughs> yeah, we did. Oh, that's a nice little touch. That is a nice touch. Um, didn't quite go for ninety minutes, sadly. But um, yeah, you've got so much off your chest today. Retro boots, hating football commentators, so that's going to go down nicely. Uh, half volleys, the joy of wacky club tweets, the anti-joy of the anti-diving brigade and people who enjoy the fixtures being announced so uh someone somewhere is going to be put out by this podcast at some point so uh yeah we've alienated at least a a few people so thanks for that killian no problem no problem i'm sure there's going to be a lot a lot of people disagreeing with with some of those it's a pleasure to have you thanks for coming on it's nice to have a footballer on isn't it day yeah yeah absolutely it's great yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna keep an eye out for the dundee results from now on huge game against my family actually comes from dundee so yeah this is this is great that is nice that is tidy well yeah cheers killian thank you very much i enjoyed it i've followed you for a while and i always liked seeing some of your tweets and then thinking yes exactly that's exactly what i think that is that is hugely rewarding that's a nice moment as well dave that's a good one for me yeah killian it's been an absolute pleasure to have you uh, you have completed your measure harland dicks and uh thanks everyone for listening cheers to you dave thank you and we'll see you next time see you later the athletic